Well, good morning, church. My name is Mike, one of the elders here at the church, and I'm very thankful to be here again. Thank you, Pastor Brad, Ryan, for leading that off. Um, <clears throat> we have been going through uh, Proverbs over the last few weeks, and we've titled this the Summer of Wisdom, and we're going to continue on that track today. We're going we're gonna to be um, in... Um, Working. Chapter 3 this morning, parking in verses 1 through 12. So what Ryan just read, we're going we're gonna to dive into that a little deeper. Um, so if you want to turn to that, grab one of the Bibles in front of you or open up your own. Um, we'll, we'll be reading through that today. I want to give a quick introduction um, to me. A lot of you know me, my family, but I think it's relevant to what we're talking about today, talking about wisdom. So this, this is my family, the people that I spend a lot of time with, the people that reside in my home and eat my food. Um, so I am in the middle there with the, the young man on his shoulders. Obviously, there are four beautiful ladies in there. The oldest, is that wise to say oldest? No, the oldest. Nonetheless, it's true. Of those four ladies is my wife, Callie. Uh, we're, we're going on, uh, this will be 16 years of marriage this fall or this end of the summer. And uh, just she's been a part of this church a, a very long time, her entire life, and I've been blessed uh, to be a part of this family for most of those 16 years. Um, the oldest, our first teenager, Allison, top right there. Everybody can, she loves when I do this, so everybody can just look back at the tech booth there. Allison, stand up. Everybody say, hi, Allie. There you go. She's so, yeah. Um, that's Allison. Um, on the left there, Emily Grace. Emily, uh, in addition to possessing the beauty of her mother is also um, a brilliant young lady. Uh, she has some innate, um, if it's a word, lawyering skills uh, within her and uh, in, in the cases that she may present uh, in front of her parents. And so we love her. She's a born leader as well. Then we go on to Natalie. Oh, Natalie. Oh, I love you so much. So she is, Natalie is 10 years old. Um, and she will forever, um, I hope not to the detriment of her mental uh, development, uh, she will forever be my baby girl. And I love her so much. She is uh, smart as a whip as well. And as I mentioned before, she has a natural um, uh, form when it comes to running. So, Pastor Brad, take note, cross-country track coming up soon. And then the boys. Oh, the boys. Uh, Okay, Charlie and Tyler. Charlie's the oldest. Charlie is eight. Tyler is five. Charlie's down there, centered there with a big smile. He was up here. Um, man, he was singing. I, I could hear him back there. But Charlie, um, for those of you that knew Callie's uh, grandfather, uh, Claire Benson, Grandpa Claire, Grandpa Greenbean, as we called him, uh, Charlie is, is a clone of Claire, uh, genetically, uh, and also just in the way he carries himself, his mannerisms, um, his work ethic, and unfortunately, fortunately, also his sense of humor. And so he is, he's a, he's a, he's a great kid. And then Tyler, oh Tyler, we love you, he's back there. Um, Tyler, and maybe plug his ears, Callie, for a minute, he's the reason we stopped having children. <laughs> And I don't know if that's wrong to say or not, but he, it's, it's true. He, he, uh, he does things different than all of his siblings. That's great. 
um, I'll give an example. Um, his four siblings, um, when they were born, they had this great joy about breathing air. He, he could care less about breathing air when he was born. And so I remember in the hospital the day he was born, laying hands on his chest, praying over those lungs that God would just breathe into him and, and make those lungs work because he didn't want to do it. He's like, eh, we'll do that later. So, and, and so those first couple years, uh, he just had some, some health issues that constantly seemed like he was choking on something or, you know, I don't know. I, I shouldn't have to see someone turn blue that many times. But anyway, that's Tyler. We love him. He is a, a, a smart young man, and, and uh, he does everything full and all in. So that's my family. And the reason that I wanted to introduce them, because I think it's relevant, is that I sometimes question the wisdom of God. <gasps> I question the wisdom of God that he gave me these six people as my responsibility. And, and I bet you there's a few of you out there that would say, yeah, yeah, I, I question that wisdom as well. Because it's, it's at, at times over the last 16 years of this relationship of being married and being a father, like I will admit that I have not carried that responsibility as well as I should have. And probably even in the last week, I may have slipped up once or twice. But nonetheless, there's, there's one trait, and we spoke about it, we sang about it this morning. There's one trait that I've learned over the years that is an important thing to possess in any relationship, in any place where, where responsibility has been placed. And that word, that word is trust. We sang about it this morning. And, and so that, that, that trust is important in any relationship between a husband and a wife. Caleb, are you getting married? Grace, right? Okay, trust. It's an important word. It's an important between a father and a son, a parent and a child. It's important in my relationship between me and my Savior. And so that leads us then into the title of today's message, The Wisdom of Trusting in God. So we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1, and I'm going to read. So first, wisdom, this is my first point, wisdom involves trusting in God because His formula for life is best. Verse 1, my child, never forget the things I have taught you, Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years, and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Observations, quick observations, right off the bat. Right off the bat, who's that written to? Ryan spoke about it. It says, my child or my son. This follows the pattern of the first two chapters of Proverbs, continuing all through Proverbs. It's a letter of sorts written from a father to a son, a king to an heir, mother to a daughter, parent to a child, teacher to a student. Second, second observation is that I've noticed, I notice in here, um, it says, store these commands. It's not just these hey, you know what, I got a good idea. Maybe you could try it and see if it works. Or, 
maybe someday you'll be walking down the road and, and, and you'll run into this situation. Here's a little piece of advice. If it, if it works for you, great. No, he uses the word commands and he sets the store of them in our heart. And I, it's a reminiscent reminder, at least to me, of the thou shalls and the thou shall nots of Exodus 20. Right? Third observation. There's two, in those first four verses, there's two if-then statements. You familiar with an if-then statement, an if-then function? Excel has if-then functions within it. If X, if you do X, then Y will happen. The two ifs, store my commands in your heart, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. And then the two thens found in verse 2 and 4, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Verse 4, then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. I don't know about you, but I enjoy math. Okay, maybe not like deep, high math. Like, I like simple math, you know, the adding and subtracting part. <laughs> maybe some calculations of area, calculations of volume. I use that daily, in, at least in my, my work. And, and so these simple calculations, I look at an if-then function, an if-then formula as another one of those simple forms of math. And if you were to ask Pastor Bill, Craig Anderson, Mark Wurzel, I could go on and name many of the men that in this church that have mentored me over the years, when a problem arose in my life or a challenge that I was facing with my family, when that came up, I was always looking for the formula. I just, just this is happening, tell me what to do. And unfortunately... The if-then formula is not always there. Because of sin, because of the way the world is skewed, because of sin, sometimes it's not a clear answer. And so when I come across one of these if-then statements, like it we're seeing here in Proverbs, man, I latch onto it. If-then. And so as we continue to walk this summer through the book of Proverbs, you're going to see a lot of this. And so just be looking for them. Wisdom involves trusting in God because his formula for life is best. Point number two comes from verse five and eight. Wisdom involves trusting in God because he has the ultimate roadmap for life. Reading in verse five, trust, there's that word again. Caleb, trust, grace, trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you'll have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Remember that bones. Just remember that. Strength for your bones. That's important later. Focusing in on verse 6, it gives us yet another formula Verse 6, seek his will in all you do and what he will show you which path to take. Matthew 6, 33, you don't have to turn to it, but you probably, a lot of you know it by heart, and I just, I'll read it quick here. Matthew 6, verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. 
The NIV states it similarly. Seek first whose kingdom? His kingdom and his righteousness. Simple principle. Simple thing. But it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those simple principles that has guided the trajectory of that family that you saw up on the screen there, that has guided the life of this father, this man on this earth. And I want to tell you, so this is, I am, I am a kingdom builder. Any other kingdom builders in here? None? There's one back there. All right. Well, I don't necessarily mean so when I say kingdom builder in that statement. I don't, I don't mean so necessarily as that Sunday version, that Sunday school answer of I'm, I'm out building his kingdom. More so the, the, the small K version, you know, the my kingdom, the one I control, the one I possess, the one I build. And I, I'll, I'll show you here because this is fun. So there's those girls again. A couple years ago, you know, a couple years ago. So this is harvest at our house. We used to live up here on Painter School Road. Um, and this is harvest time. I love the greens and the reds and the golds and the beautiful blonde hair there. Those, it's just, that's a happy time. Um, and then this is um, in progress. Uh, this, this was our, the start of our chicken coop at the time uh, that we were putting together. Callie snapped a picture of that. And then this is, you know, the product of two of those little girls enjoying and, and interacting with those chickens. And what, I'm, I'm not trying to say that there's anything wrong. I want to make that clear. There's nothing wrong with hard work, right? There's nothing wrong with growing your own food, having a garden, taking care of, taking care of your land, your property, your home, your family. There's nothing wrong with... Well, there might be something wrong with chickens. We don't have them anymore. But, you know, there, there's, <laughs> there's nothing wrong for those of you that have animals and chickens and, and Rennenbergs with the, their goats and all that. But what, what I, what I want to make a point here and make it clear is that during this time, this period in our life, I had built this chicken coop. I had this great garden. We had built this, this, this house, this dream house of ours. Outside the coop, I had built these raised beds, these garden beds. I had put in some, it was kind of a kitchen garden, had some herbs in it and tomatoes and flowers and all that. And I was out there one day just standing back and admiring my hard work and how good it looked and all the things I had done. And a, a very clearly question came into my mind, and it was, Whose kingdom are you building? Who, who are you doing this for? And all that stuff is good stuff. But, 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 our, but our motive at that time, Callie and I, our motive at that time was not for his kingdom. It was to build our kingdom, our small k kingdom. Verse 6 says to seek his will in all that you do and he will show you which path to take. Wisdom involves trusting in God because he has the ultimate roadmap for life. Point number three, wisdom involves trusting in God for our provision in this life. Verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. 
going to take the advice and take a sip of water here to make the second half of this better. So upon first read of that, the question is, what, what does it mean to honor the Lord with your wealth? Okay, so that's a pretty simple answer. You know, that's something we've talked about before. Okay, so your tithe, are you benevolent? Do you care and love for your neighbor? How do you spend your money? How do you save your money? How do you enter into obligations of debt? So how do you honor the Lord with your wealth? But if I only, if I stop there, I miss the second half. I miss the second half of that. And the first read missed the second portion of the if statement. And so back there, verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, wealth and and with the best part of everything you produce. The best part of everything you produce. So I don't know about you all, but in my occupation, my vocation, the result of what I do is a physical product. I'm a landscaper, so I take a physical piece of property, a piece of real estate, done this many times with our friend Howard McLaughlin, where he'll sell a piece of real estate to an individual, and it's maybe overgrown because it's, not because of Howard, I, I don't think, but like because it just hasn't been taken care of, and, and, and the owner, new owners will say, well, what are we going to do with this mess? And Howard's like, well, I'll call Mike. And so we'll come in, and we'll look at it and go, oh, yeah, it's a mess. And we'll, we'll look at the, the contour of the land, the use of the land that it could be. We'll, we'll remove the brush eliminate the weeds, maybe we do some grading, we bring in and amend the soil, and then we call in, and Peg Borman's not here, Peg, we call in a great landscape designer, and they come up with a plan for that piece of property, one that's functional and beautiful and aesthetically pleasing. And so then we come in, maybe we add some brick and some stone, and then we paint the whole place with plants and grasses to soften it and add texture. And when we're done with that, we end with, up with this beautiful product, right? It's here, we took this, and we turned it into this. And there's one thing that I'm missing, one ingredient that I failed to list out of all those important pieces. And no landscape of scale, no product, no, nothing you produce of scale can happen without it. And that's a labor force, right? A human element. People. And so early on in my career, I worked for a, a landscaper that, that goes to church here. Oh, I don't see her today. That's okay. It's not attendance. But I worked for her and her husband, and I produced great landscapes. I produced them on time, under budget, and to the, the expectations of the customer. And I did that day in, day out. But at that time in my life, I did not value the labor force. They were just an end to a means, or means to an end, right? Yeah, means to an end. And so I remember the day I was on a job site, and, and, and there was two of these individuals um, across the job site, and I was looking at them, and they were not producing in the way that I, you know, would desire. They were not doing what I'd hoped they would be doing. And so I shut the machine off, and I yelled across the job site to get back to work, do it faster, do it better, and all those whatever else. And I remember she stopped me and she said, she says, uh, are we dogs? And I'm like, no. She said, well, quit barking at us. 
in the way that I interacted with people at that time was probably more likening to, likening to a angry man and with a stubborn dog. You know, a lot of barking, a lot of snarling, maybe a little drooling. And I'm not necessarily talking about the dog. And so, when, when it states here, it says the best part of everything you produce. What, what are the words I'm producing? What are the, the, the heart attitude that I'm producing as I'm interacting with people? Wisdom involves trusting in God for our provision in, the, in life and honoring him in what we actually produce. This is a fun one here. I don't know if you can read that. It says discipline. So here we go. Wisdom involves trusting in God with his discipline. Verse 11 and 12. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Discipline by its nature sounds fun, right? Sounds great. If you're a kid, you're probably thinking groundings, spankings, timeouts, things like that. If you're an adult like me, maybe you're thinking of that occasional night in a jail cell. Another story, another time. Ask me later, please. It'll get us distracted and make us run way over. So what I'm going to run with today is discipline, my discipline that I saw in my life that I did not necessarily enjoy at the time. And remember the, I totally remember, strength for your what? Bones. So this is my broken bones story. I've cleared this with the church to show this picture. So, no, I'm... This is obviously a couple of broken bones. And so I'll lead up to this. So in high school, I'm sorry, in high school, I had a period uh, that last year, my senior year, and that, that first year out of high school where I experienced multiple broken bones. Um, and to the point, to the fact where, where people were asking me, hey, are, are you drinking your milk? Like, maybe you should, they should do some tests or something. And so it started off, um, I, I love basketball, and I love playing, I still love playing basketball, not um, uh, to the degree I did then, but the September before my senior year, we were in a basketball tournament, Gus Macker tournament down in South Bend, was playing, we're working our through, we're in the final game of that tournament with my, my friends and I, and went up for a layup, came down, and yep, my legs were taken out by another individual, came down, landed on my thumb, mm. Broke, broke a small bone within my wrist. Didn't know it was broken at the time. Doctors misdiagnosed it as just it was a sprain. It's kind of hard to see within there. Said, okay, go into high school that fall, getting ready to play football. Okay, coming in, my wrist hurts. They say, wrap it up. I say, it still hurts. Max says, rub it tighter. <laughs> so, all right, Mac. Those of you new Mac. So they wrap it up. I played, played football for half a season that my senior year and about halfway through the season we're playing River Valley and it's kickoff return and I go up to make the stop I made the stop and I knocked him over but I also used my forearm on his helmet and broke this arm so now I got two broken arms still don't know about this one 
So they put a cast on this. I missed the rest of my season, senior year, football season. Get done, getting ready to start up basketball. My wrist still hurts. Go down to a specialist in South Bend, and they say, oh, yeah, it's broken. We need to do surgery. The bone's going to die if we don't do this. I'm like, okay, let's get it done. So they do the surgery, put a few pins in there. Now I have a cast on this arm. This is off. I got a little scrawny little, you know, 17-year-old arm here, and this one's slowly dwindling away. And so <laughs> MHSAA will not let me play with a hard cast, play basketball, even though I thought I could. So I continue to practice with the team, continue to train, continue to try to strengthen this arm back up, work on my core, work on my, my training and all that. Worked all through that, got the cast off. Now I'm ready to go. Well, now I've got two-week arms still. Try to manage the rest of my senior year, which wasn't much, playing basketball. Basketball season ends, and now we're coming into track season. Freshman, sophomore year, I loved track. Junior year, we didn't have track because of other circumstances. My senior year, track coach comes to me, you ready to go, it's time to run. No, I'm not going to run track this year. He's like, what, what are you talking about? It's your senior year. You're going to come run, right? I said, no, I'm not going to run. He says, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go play basketball. I like basketball. He goes, okay. So you've got some travel team you're on. You've you know, got some college that's recruiting you. you got to go. To. I said, no, we're just going to go play for whatever reason. It's crazy. Anyway, and that's what we did. And I had a best friend at that time. And we would just go play basketball every night, every, every Saturday morning, every Sunday. We'd play as much as we could, wherever we could. But the fact was that at that time, there, there had been a shift that was starting. There had been something that was changing in my life that I didn't really see it. But it wasn't just going playing basketball, because basketball included that cooler beer on the side of the court. It included the parties that were afterwards. It included the girls that we were chasing and chasing and chasing. And so it was a path that I was being drawn down by a, group of friends, by a group of friends. And so as we came into that summer, we played. I was working. I was in the workforce then. And we would play every night for a couple hours. We would play Wednesdays and Fridays for two hours before work. We just played basketball because we loved it. But we continued to party, continued to drink, continued to chase girls. And at the end of that summer, we were playing in yet another basketball tournament. And playing in a basketball tournament up at Kalamazoo, another Gus Macker, we're on one of the top courts, and we're working our way through the winner's bracket. The difference this time is that we're playing in a men's division with two females on our team. Now, these two females played D2 ball, and they could dribble better than I could. They could shoot better than I could. And they made all these guys look bad. And it was, it was, it was so much fun. <laughs> but because of that, playing on this top court, our court, as we worked our way through that tournament, was surrounded by people. And there was just a lot of people observing what was going on and watching and, and all that. And it was a great time. Two weeks before this, I had set a goal long time ago when I broke, not long, the year before when I had started breaking these bones, I wanted to dunk a basketball. And at six foot tall, all right, I lied to you. I've lied to myself for a long time, 5'11". <laughs> at 5'11", it takes a lot of energy and force to get a body up to a 10-foot rim and dunk a basketball. So two weeks before this, this occurred, I'd finally accomplished that goal on a true 10-foot regulation rim. 
So coming into this tournament in Kalamazoo, I shot came off the backboard. I jumped up, grabbed the rebound, came down, and fell to the ground. Paramedic two courts away heard, sound, said, sound like somebody dunked a basketball and broke the rim. When I sat up, because I was on the ground, and realized something wasn't right, that maybe possibly when I jumped in the air, I had grown a second knee because I had too many 90-degree bends in my leg. And the crowd went, <laughs> and then I knew something was really wrong, if they're running away from me. That's the result. So I had surgery that day to, to stabilize the leg, stop the bleeding, um, clean it up. I had surgery two weeks later, so this is a picture of me two weeks later after that surgery. They inserted a steel rod in my leg, and then a year later they removed that rod. So a period of over a year of pain on top of a broken wrist and surgery, a broken left arm and multiple broken noses that happened all through that whole period. And it, 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 the point of my story, and I know that was a lot of words, and I, but the point of my story is this. I look back at this time in my life, and it was physically painful. But God was physically breaking me of some relationships I had. He was physically breaking me of some habits that I had developed. And this is the point where those relationships, for whatever reason, they, we started to drift apart. And although I would like to rekindle that in a different fashion, now in this, li in this life I live, I needed that. I needed that separation. And I wasn't listening to God. I wasn't hearing the wisdom he had for me. And so physically he broke me through these bones and through these year, those years of healing. And I had a long way, a long way to fully turn back to my Savior. But that was the point where, where it all started. And I thank him. I wish there was another way. <laughs> but I thank him in his, his discipline. So wisdom involves trusting in God even during times of discipline. So in closing, I just want to leave you with this. Verse 5 and 6, trust, there you go, in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. Um, I, have a, I have a friend, um, Aaron, you want to come up? Just real quick, and then we'll, we'll close this down. Can you grab any mic up here? All right. I have a friend named Aaron Bauer. A lot of you know Aaron Bauer. I just want to bring him up today. Say hi, Aaron. Thank you. I want to bring Aaron up today. Um, known Aaron a long time. And what I've learned about Aaron is that the way that he and Sarah have raised and instructed their boys, the way that they take care of their property, the way that they live their lives, is it's not just that small king, K kingdom. And so I asked, I asked Aaron if he'd come up and just close us in prayer today. And so no interview. We had enough interviews already today, but Aaron, would you do that for us, please? Honor to. All right, thank you. Our gracious Heavenly Father, um, sometimes, Lord, you put us in spots where we're not comfortable, and we hurt, and we're scared, and we're fearful, and we doubt, and we run in circles with our, like chickens with our heads cut off, and we don't accomplish anything when we try to do it on our own. And Lord, I ask that you will help each one of us 
when we find ourselves in a situation where we don't know what to do, that we'll stop and we'll throw our hands up and call out to you and ask you for your wisdom. And we know, Lord, that you will give it. Your word says, if we, any man lack wisdom, let him ask. You're there. You're never very far from any one of us, Lord. And I ask that you will help us to remember that. And then when things are going well and we want to build a chicken coop and we don't know how, help us to throw our hands up for that too. Because mm. um, we may not know, and that's okay. Help us, Lord, to not trust on our own understanding. There's a lot of things we can do on our own, but they don't really work very well when we do it by ourselves. So, Lord, I ask that you will help us all to seek you first. And in doing so, seek your kingdom. Help us to love our neighbors. Help us to take care of our families. Help us to honor you with all that we do, with our actions, our thoughts, and our words. In Christ's holy, precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Aaron. And thank you all for being here. Go in the grace of God. You're dismissed.